August and January, we do a refresher course on the vision of Shore Church of God. And so this morning, we're going to step into what it means to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. We say this a lot here at the church. Um, it's written on everything that we put out. It's, it's all over the place. But what does it actually mean, and what does it have to do with you? Uh, what does it have to do with me? So we're going to explore that. The next three weeks, we're going to talk about reach this morning and then grow and then serve. But you didn't see that coming, that that was going to be broken apart like that. Um, but today, I love talking about reach when it's talking about New Year's resolutions, because that's on everyone's mind. Uh, whether or not you practice New Year's resolutions or goals, or you can't help but be reflective on today at some point to think, you know, this last year was junky, or this last year was great, or this last year was a eh, 50-50, right? Some things were great, some things were bad, probably for most of us. Um, And so as we examine that, as we step into that, as we look at that today, I want to look at that in the way in which we view our life mission, who we are, who we're trying to be. And so that's where we're going to go today. I have a few goals this year. I have a few goals, um, and I don't ever really do New Year's resolutions. This is the first year I've done New Year's resolutions in a long, long time, probably 20 years. Like, I really don't do them very often. Because when I make New Year's resolutions, and maybe you're like me, um, I generally make them in the avenue, in the bent of, I don't want to be the person I was last year. And so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. And so I fixate on the idea of who I don't want to be. Do you know what happens when you fixate on who you don't want to be? You become exactly who you don't want to be because whatever goal that you're, you're putting in your brain that you're striving towards is what you work towards. And so if you're like, you know what, I, 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 I don't want to be this, 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 I become that. And so for me, often, often I just talk about myself and you guys kind of go, man, that guy's really messed up, okay? So um, for me, I want to change the way in which I'm making the goals for my life, the way in which I want to think even about these resolutions. It's not who I don't want to be, it's who I want to become. And you may think that's just changing the sentence structure. It's changing a whole mindset. Who do I want to become? Paul in Philippians talks about the same exact thing. In Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14, he says, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfect, but I press on to make my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What does he say? I forget what was in the past. Let it go, as a Christmas movie will tell you over and over and over again, right? Let that stuff go. Strain, strive, reach for the goal that is Jesus Christ. What does it look like for our New Year's resolutions? What does it look like for who we're trying to become? If instead of just being mired in who we were, we reach for who we could be. You see the shift. I think that's what Paul is telling us here in Philippians. And it's, it's an important distinction that we need to make as a people. That we become a people who are striving for something better, not just trying not to be who we were. And that's an easy, easy like a trap for us to fall into. 
And so I want us to, this year, be the year that we strive for something better. Strive for Jesus, not just strive to be something different than what we used to be. Because often when we keep our eyes on the, I don't want to be a petty person. I don't want to be mired in those wounds. I don't want to be stuck into this. I don't want to be whatever your stuff is. We stay right there in that stuff. I don't want to be there anymore. My goals this year, I have a few. I'll go ahead and tell you. You can hold me accountable to them. That's going to really bite me. But uh, I'm going to tell you what my goals are this year. Some of them are kind of crazy and big, and some of them you're thinking that's kind of a weird goal. Yeah, don't judge me. These are my goals. Uh, the first one is I want to read 52 books this year. I want to read 52 books a, uh, this year. That's a book a week. Now, if you know me, you've seen my office, you're like, that probably is, might, might be attainable. If only I can count comic books, I'll be totally fine. No, I'm just playing. Um, but I want to read 52 books this year. And I, I have a problem is that I only have a list of 30, like two that I want to read. So I've got to find 20 somewhere. So if you have good suggestions, fiction, nonfiction, I'm totally open to those. Send me an email, whatever. Um, I would love to, to hear what you have for my, my, book, my book list. I'm a little bit of a bibliophile. And um, that's, that's a problem um, in my life. Kelly's like, great, we're going to have books everywhere. I have a Kindle. It's moving an iPad around is a lot lighter than moving crates and crates of books, I've learned. Um, Second goal that I have is I want to have coffee, lunch, dinner, um, breakfast, whatever, with 52 different people this year. Um, With 52 different people. You may go, that doesn't sound uh, very hard. You try to schedule 52 meetings with with different individuals. There's some people in this church I've been trying to have breakfast with or lunch with for months, and it just, the stars will not align for us to hang out. You know, Aaron and I have been trying to play Frisbee golf for like four years now. It's not going to happen this week. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> so it's just, it's just not like it's some, those are hard to do. So uh, that's one of my goals. If you'd like to help me with that goal, please let me know. I'd, I'd love, to, love to, to get to know your story a little bit better and just to sit down and chat. It's one of my goals this year. Um, that's kind of a weird one, right? My third one is I want to run, well, not run, elliptical. I don't know what the, the, the verb of ellipticize, uh, what, what, to ellipt. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what, that, what that is. If you, if you know that one, please help me out. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I want to do 365 miles of that this year. Um, so that, you go like, Jared, I do that in a week. Well, good for you. <laughs> Obviously, I do not, okay? So uh, that's one of my goals. I want to ellipticize. 365 miles this year. I will not run because I will not be able to walk because of my knees and my back. But um, the elliptical is my friend. So that's one of, the, one of my goals that I have this year. Um, because I want to concentrate on who I can become, not on the, who I was. Because if I concentrate on who I was, like, oh, well, I used to be in really good shape, and I used to be a swimmer, and I used to be this, and I used to be that. Guess what? 18-year-old Jared body is not happening overnight. That's not going to go happen. It's, it's, I'm sorry. It's, it's, not, it's not happening. It's not happening. So where can we start? Let's, let's do this. Let's ellipticize. You can feel free. That's not copyrighted. You can use it yourself. Ellipticize, 365 miles this year. Um, but those are some of my goals, and I have them in front of me because I want, I want, to, I want to do that. I want to become somebody a better. I want to strive to a different goal. I want to learn. I want to know. I want to learn more book knowledge, and I want to learn people better, and I want to become healthier. See, those are, those are my goals. So I don't, know, I don't know what yours are. You don't have to take my goals. Uh, some of those are crazy. You go, like, Jared, I want to read one book this year. That's, that's my goal. I want to read one. Like, that's, I'm not putting your, my goals on you. It's, it's cool. But those are mine. But there's going to be something I'm striving towards. One of my huge goals is I want to be a better neighbor. 
and I can't quantify what, what being a better neighbor looks like. Like, there's not a checklist. There's not like, ooh, you were a great neighbor. Your dog didn't poop in so-and-so's yard. You know, like, there's not a, there's not a, th- well, that's probably a good one. But uh, you know, there's not a bunch of a list of things to say, you, here's, this is what makes you a better neighbor. But I want to be a better neighbor. I want to be a guy who, who knows the people around me, who, who cares about them. And not, doesn't just run into their house and, and, and run away. I, that's, that's hard for me. I love my family. I love being with my family. I like my home. I like being inside my home. And I may or may not like my neighbors. I don't know if I do because I don't know them. Well, that's a great place to start in being a better neighbor is getting to know their names, right? And so that's one of my goals is I want to be a better neighbor this year. As a church, our New Year's resolution as a church body is always laid out for us because it is the vision of the church to reach and to grow and to serve the community for Christ. And now I have often been guilty, and I think we probably all have been guilty, of thinking to reach, grow, and serve. The purpose of Shore Church of God is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. It's very easy to say that's this building's object. This is, that's the staff's point of view. That's what they are supposed to do. But if you are a living, breathing member of this church, if you are here this morning, guess what? Your life mission has just become to reach, to grow, and to serve the community for Christ. If you count yourself as a member here, as a a person of this body, your mission is to reach and to grow and to serve the community for Christ. Maybe that rolls off the tongue weird for you. How about your goal is to reach and serve or grow and serve your neighbor in Christ Jesus? What does that look like? What does that relationship look like? It is centered wholly around loving people. About loving and caring about people. Too often our reputation as a church in this country, in the world, is that we're a place of judgment, of meanness, of of you gotta jump through these hoops, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. What if our reputation came from the way in which we love people. And that's what I want to strive for. That's what I want to stri- what I think our church needs to strive for is how do we strive to love our neighbor, to reach and to grow and to serve them with the love of Christ. You see how that changes maybe even your neighborhood, that changes the people around you, that changes these houses, that changes how we interact with people. It changes how we budget. It changes how we say yes to things. It changes how we say no to things. And so as a, a member here of this church, I've I just given you all your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> right? I'm going to be a better neighbor. I'm going to grow in Christ, and I'm going to serve. That's, that's what I need to do because if, as a member here at this church, that's what I'm called to be about. The mission of the church is not the mission of this building or our staff, but rather the life mission of the people who call this home. The mission of this church is not the mission of this building or our staff, but rather the life mission of the people who call this home. Because what can happen is our staff could move on. This building could be destroyed in a tornado. But the life mission of reaching and growing and serving the community for Christ wouldn't change. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than this building. It's, it's a calling for each and every one of us to strive for, to strain toward. So today, we talk about how 
in the world do we do this? How do we strain how, towards someone? How do we how do we reach? Reach is an attitude in which we strain towards our community. Reach is an attitude in which we strain towards our community. This is a huge attitude shift, right? Often we protect ourselves from our community. Often we, we try to stay, build a, a buffer between our community. What happens when we switch our mindset to we're straining towards our community? Now, when I think of straining, I think of uh, usually I have children. And so I strain to pick up Lucy when she's found herself in a weird spot. Like she's in this like hidey hole type crawling thing. She'll find herself underneath a couch or you might think I'm a terrible parent. But uh, uh, in these weird positions and you're like, oh, man, how are we going to get? But I got to strain to get her out of that. I think of Bowen and I think of straining to find the lost Lego. Right? Uh, if he, I don't know if he picks up his Legos. He opens the packs. He takes them and just throws them across the room. I'm like, i got to find that one. You know, you get the whole Death Star put together, but that one spot, it can't be. My problems. Uh, so, but I strain to find that Lego behind the couch, behind the pillow, in the, th- in the dust bunnies. In the, what, you got to strain to find those things. As we think about our community, that's not comfortable. Right? That's not easy. So how do we think? We have to switch our, our thinking from, ah, I'm going to reach, grow, and serve my community as they come to me, as it's easy, as it's one of those things I just can get done and check off the list. But what happens when we switch our mindset to straining to reach the community, providing effort behind it? That it's, it's, it's a choice. We used to do this drill in swimming where it was all about straining. And this is not how you wanted to race, but you would strain out and you would go as far as you possibly could with one arm and you'd hold it for three seconds. And then you'd strain with the other arm and go as far as you possibly could for three seconds. And you'd strain with the other arm. And just, I'd go down and back in like 10 strokes. Also, I have a ginormous wingspan, but we, we would just strain for it and strain for it. And it was teaching you. It was reprogramming your muscles to have a longer stroke so you could be more effective. And so if we translate that to, in our, in, to this whole reaching idea of how we talk to people, how we love people in Christ Jesus, is that if for a while it's kind of straining because it's uncomfortable. We don't understand it. It's weird. What if they yell at me? What if they don't say, get off my lawn? You know, whatever happens. Well, after we get used to straining and the muscles have been reprogrammed and the brain's been reprogrammed, you do it right, normally. Does that make sense? If you've never done that drill, you had no idea. But if you were a swimmer, you did that drill. <laughs> but as, the, I just, as I think about straining, because I think about um, my current neighbor situation, it's going to require a little, a little straining for me to get to know my current neighbor situation. If you have notes, if you have a bulletin with you, draw a tic-tac-toe board. Do not play tic-tac-toe, board, tic-tac-toe with your neighbor, but draw a tic-tac-toe on your bulletin. Uh, so, or worship folder, they have all kinds of fun names. The white piece of paper you got when you walked in the building. Uh, draw a tic-tac-toe board. It should have nine squares. Put yourself in the middle. Now, you can do, we're going to do a couple exercises for the next 12 weeks. Uh, basically, this tic-tac-toe board is going to come up a lot. We're going to talk about what this looks like. On that, on that board, I want you to do two different exercises on the tic-tac-toe board. One, write your neighbor's names on the tic-tac-toe board. If your house was the center, can you fill out the tic-tac-toe board of your neighbors? Isaiah could do it in like three dimension. 
because you're in an apartment building. That'd be awesome. Oh, uh, you could do Never mind. My brain's like, whoa, flying on that. So if you live in an apartment, you get all kinds of fun, fun ways to do that. Um, but do you know the names of the people around you? Do you know their story? Do you know where they work? Do you know what you could pray for them about? I'm not saying this to guilt you. I can fill about four of my nine out. The guy to uh, the Galettis that, that live to the left of us, I can fill the whole thing out. I got that. They make it easy, right? They're, 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 they're great. The guys to the right of me, I'm going to have to get to know him this week because I was trying to be nice and be neighborly and snow blow for him, except I forgot that he had an extension cord across the sidewalk. I, I just ate, ate Santa, man. It just <laughs> so that's... I've knocked at the door twice, and he hasn't answered, so, uh, whoops, a daisy. Uh, so I'm trying to be nice. Bye-bye, Santa. Uh, so um, i got to get to know him. But the big issue with, uh, with Jose is uh, he doesn't speak very much English, and I don't speak very much Spanish. So unless I'm ordering a burrito, we got a problem here with our communication. And so I have intentionally, intentionally built a communication wall, a wall with Jose, because I don't speak very good Spanish. Now, Jose is a fantastic neighbor. Fantastic. I just don't know him very well. And so it's going to require me to strain to say, well, sorry, sorry about your Santa Claus. But it's also going to require me to strain to say, you know what, we're going to muddle through some conversations. And we're going to do the, I'm going to do the best I can to understand what you're trying to tell me. And I, I know he's going to do the best he can to, to understand me. But that's uncomfortable, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with, with, with Jose. He's a fantastic neighbor. He really is. But I just, I haven't taken that uncomfortable step to strain across. Do you, does this make sense? Those are just some easy things. I got some people that, that are going to be harder to, the guy behind me. He's, he's a little bit more tougher uh, nut to crack on, on, on the straining of how to build a relationship there. Um, uh, so how is that going to work? But as I fill out my tic-tac-toe board, I got to go, you know, these are some goals. I should be straining into this to say, I, I got to get to know you. And another way you can do, the second thing I want you to do with this tic-tac-toe board is um, there's been a lot of new people come to our church, which is beautiful. But if you have this tic-tac-toe board, and you kind of look around, you go, like this. Can you fill out your tic-tac-toe board in the seats around you? And if you go, no, um, you got a goal. Because you all sit in the same spot. I'm looking at you, Eric. Uh, every, single <laughs> every single week, you guys pretty much sit in the same spot. So it's not like, whoo, they're going to move. You guys sit in the same spots unless I change the chairs up. I had you one time. I changed and put an aisle down the middle. And I, I, it might have been Mary, Mary Good back here. went, ha, you can't trick me. And she said, she's like, this is my spot when the sanctuary is set this way. <laughs> <laughs> she, had, she had it already planned out. Like, if you do two aisles, four aisles, I got it. You can't, you can't get one past me. So, but you need to be able to fill out your tic-tac-toe board, even here for the church. What's their names? What's their story? What's their prayer request? If you don't know that, pick one a week and say, hey, I'm going to get to know this square. I'm going to fill this up. And which family member gets to, you know, gets to choose lunch if they fill out their board in three in a row faster? I don't know. But you, you, can, you can play a game with that. And don't go, oh, man, you're only talking to me because Pastor Jared told me to fill out the tic-tac-toe board. No. Okay, the prod is we're trying to get to know each other. Because when it's one degree outside, getting to know my neighbor ain't happening. 
right? I literally told Troy he wanted to have a conversation with me when, on Christmas Eve out in the yard. Well, I was just taking out the trash. I didn't even put a coat on. And I'm sitting there. I thought this would be a, be a, a note. To, hey, buddy, I want to go inside. And he started telling me some story. I said, text me. <laughs> I walked inside the house because I was freezing. I think he just was like, this stupid kid didn't put on a jacket. I'm going to make him stand out. How long can I get Jared to stand out in the car? Um, and it, so that's what happened. But I'm going to give you some uh, advice and some, some tricks for cold weather neighboring here in just a second. But what we need to concentrate on as our church grows and as, as we get to know people and, and maybe our neighbors start to come, because I know if I get my neighbor to come here to church, if Jose walked into, into the sanctuary next week, I want to bring him to a place that, that, that I know my church family is going to have the same heart that I do and say, hey, what's your name? What's going on? How, who are you? And so we've got to become that kind of, that kind of people, just filling out our tic-tac-toe board. It's going to be hard to know every single person's name in this church. It is, right? There's, there's a lot of people, we, and people don't come every single week, right? So it's really hard. It's like, oh, I missed them. <laughs> you missed a whole opportunity to get to know somebody. But what if I get to know my tic-tac-toe board really, really, really well? That can be a lot of beautiful life change just right there. All right. I'm done with the tic-tac-toe board analogy. Acts 15, chapter 19. This whole straining and reaching thing is difficult, and the church has struggled with it since the very first church. And James, the brother of Jesus, was, uh, they had a whole council thing. James, the brother of Jesus, is, is asked to kind of arbitrate an argument. And it's one of the most important decisions that the leader of the church made ever. Okay? The question is, how much are Gentiles, anybody who's not born Jewish, supposed to come, become like Jewish to be a Christian? And the answer to this decision was either going to keep Christianity a little sect of Judaism or was going to blow it up. Okay, because I'm going to telling you, uh, it's really hard to evangelize to a bunch of men when you tell them the first thing, hey, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, but you have to be circumcised. A lot of people's ears, they magically close when that happens. Right? Like, there's going to have to be a lot of good news to overcome some of the stuff you're telling me about. Because beginning a Christian's hard enough, now you're doing this to me? Hmm. And so this is one of the questions they're asking. I'm not trying to be gross or anything. That's what the question that they're asking is. And so, uh, and there's also all kinds of food questions and all kinds of food preparation, the kosher laws, all kinds of other stuff as well. But all these, the, the legalities of Deuteronomy and uh, Leviticus are, are coming into question. And so James, people are speaking on both sides, and James is hearing all this, and he says this. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from meat of strangled animal, animals, and from blood. So, these are the three things. Not Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are big old honking books, and there's a lot of laws in there. James just boiled it down to three. Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, uh, don't have sexu- sexual immorality, and don't eat uh, food that's been strangled and it has blood all in it. Um, those are the, the three things that you have to do. Now, those kind of, even to our brands going, what is he talking about? The, the food's uh, sacrificed to idols. <coughs> what that, it's actually, um, does a couple things. One, it's if you took the food uh, that was sacrificed to idols, you were being putting yourself under authority of that God, and you were saying that that God had provided your sustenance for the day. 
Now, this is very popular because the public uh, way of feeding people is you would, you would sacrifice a lamb or a, a bull or whatever, and the whole town would be like, you can't eat a bull in one day. You don't have a refrigerator. You don't have the, the nice little vacuum uh, sealer and a deep freeze. Everybody's coming to the party. Everybody's eating all the beef that just got sacrificed, right? And so what you're saying is, if, but if I got some of that free food, now I'm saying I'm under that God's protection and under that. And so it's like, I know that's a pretty big ask, right? Your protein intake as a, a peasant in Roman world is not that great. And so what he's saying is you've got to make the sacrifice to not go get the free food anymore because it's been sacrificed to this idol. Does that make sense? And it's, it's idol worship and, and, and all kinds of stuff. We have the same stuff today. We get caught into uh, idol worship all the time. I, our sports teams, sometimes our politicians, sometimes our uh, just the things we like, they become idols to us quickly, and our life starts to revolve around them. Same thing there. Um, the second thing, sexual immorality, that's the same. Uh, from meat strangled, this is a, kind of interesting, but it's, it's, don't, the, it's a health thing. All kinds of the kosher laws, why you didn't eat pigs, why you didn't eat um, a shellfish and stuff is because... Until we had proper refrigeration, until we had uh, proper cooking methods, um, you could get really, really, really sick, right? I've had food poisoning one really bad time in my life. Do you know what it's from? Eating raw oysters. Stupid me. The Bible says, hey, don't eat that stuff. We don't want you to die is basically what the Bible is telling, telling you there. And that's pretty impressive to me. Um, and there, there's other reasons as well. But uh, mainly it's, hey, let's stay safe with our, with our food intake. Don't, don't eat that. So um, three, boils all Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Don't do these three things. Okay. Why? Because we don't want to make it difficult for the people we're straining, striving to bring in. We don't want to make it difficult for them. We want them to participate. We want them to be a part of this. Don't make it difficult. They don't got to go through all these huge hoops of the kosher laws and the washing of things in two different dishes and the cooking and all, all that stuff. They don't have to do that. We want, don't want to make it difficult for those who are turning to Christ. Because what was the important thing? That people were turning to Christ. All right. So how... I think as we progress as a church, as we reach, as we strive, as we uh, do all those things... We need to always keep in mind, let's not make it difficult for people to come to Christ. And this church does a great job of that. This has never been one of my complaints. Uh, we accept people. We love people. We care, like People look different and, and act different and do different things. And, and it's always been a, okay, come on, you're part of the family, part of the family. That has been one of the beautiful things here. I've not always worked in churches that were like that. Um, but we have to maintain that. Don't make it difficult for people who are coming to Jesus. How do we live this out? I think there's this truth that we have to kind of embody as we strain, as we choose to strain uh, to reach people for Christ. And it's this truth. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. Yelling about somebody on Facebook is not going to change their attitude. Talking to your aunt about how crazy your neighbor is is not going to change the relationship between you and your neighbor. It just doesn't. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. And so how do we start to influence people? How do we start to show them the love, the care? How do we do that? 
The first step is we invite people into your life. Invite into your life. Open your, your circle up and invite people into your life. Is this messy? Absolutely. Can it be draining? Absolutely. Can it be the most rewarding thing you ever do in your life? Yes, it can. Invite people into your life. Now, I know it's cold. Okay, this is a lot easier to tell you to do in June. So, you know, go talk to your neighbor, go mow his yard, whatever. So I wanted to, I was thinking about this week. How do I invite people into my life? How do I help my neighbor invite my, the uh, person across the street and to the right just had a baby, just had a baby. Um, Kelly knows her name. I forgot it. Um, So she's the better neighbor than me anyway. But Kelly, she just had a baby. I don't know if they're part of a church or or, or not, but Kelly cooked a, um, a chicken pot pie. And, and, and took it over there and with the baking instructions and said, you can freeze it if you want, you can cook it if you want, you can do whatever, but here you go. Because, you know, grandma's nice for about a week, but then she's got to go home, and then who's going to cook? Because i got the crying thing in my hands, right? Uh, and, the, and the two-year-old running around, mama, 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 mama. Uh, i got, got all that. So how do we come in, in contact? How do we love? How do we care? How do we, how do we step into that? Well, that's one way, right? If you pay attention, if you're you're uh, if you're in a homeowners association, join the homeowners association Facebook group. You might think that's really silly. It's really important. You get to know your neighbors a whole lot better. You get to know what they whine about a whole lot better, but you also get to know when they have a need better as well. That's a double edged sword. So be careful with that one. But um, it, it's really nice if you don't have a homeowners association or you don't have a, a neighborhood. There's all kinds of things uh, that you can get connected with socially in those those aspects. Um, you find out you can organize block parties. Somebody in our, our HOA was organizing a ladies' night out. I lived in my neighborhood for three and a half years before I knew we had a, a Facebook group. Finally, you know how we got a part of our HOA's Facebook group is someone's uh, package was delivered to our house. And one of my neighbors said, oh, that's the Housers. And he realized when he tagged me in the Facebook thing that I wasn't a part of the Facebook thing, he went, I got magically got an invite to the HOA <laughs> Facebook group. Like you just got to do a little research in that and, and press into it because it's a beautiful way um, just to start touching people's lives wherever they're at. And it doesn't matter if it's negative 20 outside, they still will be on Facebook. Can I get an amen on that? Um, so, <laughs> so that's just fact of life. Invite into your life. A lot of people are sick if you haven't noticed right now. What if you're making your eighth run to CVS that day? What if you text your neighbor and said, hey, do you need any cough medicine? Because I know I'm buying it in bulk. Can I get you anything at CVS? Could I get you, you know, do you need anything? Not, 99% of the time, they're going to say no. But what did you do? I reached out into your story and said, hey, man, I care about you. Do you need anything? Invite them into your life. I'm sure you're creative enough to think of other things. But overcoming that, don't just say, well, it's cold outside. We're not going to talk to each other. No, we can't let that just be the norm. We can't let that be who we are. We've got to be better than that. Second thing we do is we invite people to Jesus. But if we're not a part of their life, there's no way we haven't earned any credibility into inviting people to Jesus. Okay? If you haven't been a part of their life, you haven't shown them you care about them, you haven't shown them you love them, you can't say, hey, you need to change your life. Shut up. Go away. Invite people to Jesus. And what does that look like? That looks like sharing your story with them. And that's like this. Real easy. I once was this, but now I'm this. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have a degree in apologetics. You don't even have to know what apologetics is. You, like, you don't have to know any of those things. You don't even have to have a fa- favorite Bible verse. You just got to know, I was this person, 
And then I met Jesus, and now I'm this person. And I'm not going to try to ram anything down your throat, or make, but I know the same could be true for you that is for me. I once was this, and now I'm this. And your story, shared over a cup of coffee, will be infinitely more powerful than any message I preach. Invite people to Jesus. And invite them to church. I'll give you three hallmarks of how people know, uh, how you know if it's time to invite someone to church. If someone says one of these three things, you go, ha, oh, Jerry talked about this. I know what to do now. Invite people to church. If someone says to you, you're, you're at um, a basketball game or uh, one of those different weird things. Uh, when I was going over this message in my office, I said, if you're at the soccer diamond, you know I grew up playing baseball when I call it a soccer diamond. Uh, but if you're at the soccer diamond, <laughs> um, and, and people will share weird things with you when you're watching kids run back and forth for hours on end. They, they will. They'll open up with you. I've had some of the greatest interesting conversations coaching kids in, in eight-year-old basketball. Like, that's just been a, an eye-opening experience to me. But you get people will say weird things like, things are not going well. And then you say, you know what? Maybe you should come to church. Uh, I think there's some stuff that could really speak into your life. I was not prepared for how crazy marriage is, how weird kids are. How I was not prepared for how hard it is to watch this happen. Maybe you should come to church. Or finally, I'm not from around here. Well, i got a family for you. These are all fantastic ways to invite people into your life and, into, and say, hey, there's something better, something bigger that you can be a part of. There's love out there for you that you've never even dreamed you could experience before. And so as we become a church who strains to reach the community for Christ, that it becomes our life mission, not just Jared's mission, not just Shore Church of God's mission, not Kevin's mission or Yvonne's mission. It is each and every one of us who sit in these chairs. It's our mission to reach, to grow, and serve our neighbor for Christ because it's important. As we do that, let's strive towards that goal. Next week, we're going to talk about how we grow, how we grow individually, how we grow as people, how we grow and help others grow as well. I'm so excited to be leading this time in our church. We've got some amazing things happening. I'm so excited about the men's ministry that's getting ready to launch. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about the support uh, that the Christmas offering got um, this year um, in the things that we were told that we were going to support with it. Because all the things that we were talking about supporting uh, this year in the Christmas offering were very hands-on, reaching, growing, serving things. And I'm so so excited that you guys were, were behind that in, in such a way. And so we're, we're going to work really hard at giving other opportunities uh, here at the church that aren't just, hey, give to it. Hey, just jump on board. But how do I get to jump into it, hands and feet, strain, get messy, and find the Legos behind the chairs? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Lord, I ask you to be with us and to guide us. I ask you to anoint us with a burning passion to reach our neighbors for Christ. That when we drive in and we see uh, crazy piles of snow or we see a mail lying everywhere, they are not a nuisance, but they are an opportunity to love. God, would you change my mind? Would you change the mind of the people in this, this congregation? Instead of, 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 of problems, we see opportunities. And that this new year, that 2018, will be a time in which we latch on to the ideal that we get to reach, we get to grow, we get to serve our neighbors in Christ Jesus.
Lord, I ask for your guidance in that. I ask for your courage in that. Constraining isn't easy. It's not comfortable. It's hard work, and it, it can hurt. So, Lord, I ask for your protection, and I ask for your courage. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.